0: A life filled with aimless desperation Without hope walked a shell of a man Then a hand with a nail print Stretched downward Just one touch then I knew life began, and the old rugged cross made the difference in a life bound for hard hate and defeat. I will praise Him. Forever and never. For the cross made the difference for me. Barren walls echoed harshness and anger. Little faces ran in terror. Now those walls ring with love, warmth, and laughter Since the giver of life moved inside And the old rugged cross made the difference alive, bound for heartache and defeat, I will praise him forever and ever, for the cross made the difference for me. Filled with sad Ashen faces Without hope Death has wrapped them In gloom But at the sight Of the same pairs rejoicing For a life can be sealed in a tomb and the old rugged cross made the difference in a life bound for heartache and defeat I will praise him forever cross made the difference for me. I will praise him forever and ever. For the cross made the difference Amen, everybody. It's good to see everybody tonight. I hope everybody's doing well. And uh, I just thank the Lord for the cross tonight as we uh, think about the cross, as we celebrate the cross tonight. Yes, we can celebrate a cross that history meant, meant for torture and death. Uh, we can absolutely celebrate the cross tonight. And I'm so Glad that you're part of the Hills campus tonight as we celebrate our cross that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, laid his very own life down on 2,000 years ago. And tonight as we go and examine the cross and examine what it meant tonight, it's my prayer that even right now that you would just uh, draw a circle around yourself, sit back and relax and just listen and just think about. Think about this very day, the Passover day. Think about what Jesus is has done, did 2,000 years ago, and what he is doing this very day, this very hour, as he sits at the Father's right hand and intercedes on our behalves, even now. And pray that the world will hear the message of the cross. The cross is so important. The cross is vital. The cross is so significant that you can't have a resurrection unless you have a cross. And listen, tonight, this is what we want to celebrate the cross tonight and our savior and oh and how he just loved us so much to lay his life down for you and for me so if you would join me tonight just join hands in your living room there with your loved one that's next to you and listen let's just pray together uh listen let's invite let's let jesus invite him into our circumstance into the service tonight and may it be a blessing for you this this uh, easter season Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that there is no name under heaven and earth by which anyone can be saved, save the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, this is a night tonight, Lord, where of anguish and terror And, Lord, and whore, Lord, for so many people, Lord, and especially for you, God, as you take those steps that lead up the mountain to Golgotha, Lord. And, Lord, as you voluntarily lay your life, down. oh, they think they're taking their life from you. But, God, you're not. You're voluntary. You could call down legions upon legions of angels to rescue you. Lord, you didn't even have to leave heaven to come to earth to do this. But we have an omnipotent God. We have an all-knowing God. We have an all-sufficient God who sees us, Lord, for who we are, sees us in our desperate need of a Savior. And, Lord, you sent your your only begotten Son, Jesus, down to this earth, Lord, that he would die a horrible criminal's death on a cruel cross, Lord, and take all of our sin on himself, and, Lord, and die in shame for all of us. Lord, I don't know of any other person who has died for me. And, Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for taking those steps, for thinking about us and taking that step on the cross, and, Lord, and just laying down your life for us. And, Father, I can't even imagine the anguish and the pain that you felt as you loved on us so much. Father, it's my prayer tonight that, Lord, that you would touch all of our hearts, that you would touch our very souls, that you would invade the territory of our heart and our mind, God, and that you would show yourself mighty in everything that we say or do tonight. Let our minds go back 2,000 years on an old rugged cross. Let our minds go back to see the events of that night and what took place. Help us to see the magnificence of this cross, God. Help us to understand it tonight. Help us to understand it more than we've ever understood it in the past. And, Lord Jesus, we just give you praise, and we give you honor, and we give you glory. God, you deserve all the praise, all the honor, all the glory from all of your people, Father, from all of humanity for what you did that you did not have to do, but you did it because you loved us so much. Father, if there's anyone out there that doesn't know you as Savior tonight, have never experienced the touch of the cross, Lord, it's my prayer that, Lord, you would begin to touch their heart tonight And they would come to know Jesus Christ to be their Savior and to be their Lord. And God, we just give you praise for everything that you're doing. Father, we give you praise for it all. For it's in Jesus' name. And all God's children said what? Amen. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn your Bibles to... uh, uh, turn your Bibles to Genesis, because uh, we're going to start somewhere uh, that you wouldn't be determined to start on a on a good Friday evening. Uh, listen, I wanted to take a pause and a ponder and to pray tonight as we examine the cross of our Savior Jesus. In fact, we're going to examine three crosses tonight, not just one, and they each represent three different statuses in our world today. And I want you to remember that tonight. If you want to take notes, please take notes if you would do that. Listen, to have an understanding of the cross, we must have to go back to the beginning. This is why I would have you go to Genesis chapter 2. When man and and woman were made, Adam and Eve were made, in the image of God, he provided boundaries for for both Adam and Eve. And there is an important boundary that is found in Genesis that we need to examine uh, at the beginning of this if we're going to examine the crosses tonight. In Genesis 2, starting at verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden. That was their paradise to work. It was a perfect place for them. It was perfect. Everything was perfect. The world was perfect at this time. And, to, and, and and they were to work it and to watch over it and to care for it. And verse 16 says, And the Lord God commanded the man. Here comes the boundary, folks. Here's the boundary, and you need to hear it. You are free to eat from any tree of the garden. And he said, But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so as we examine this, we know from the stories, as you know, the beginnings of Genesis, you know what happened. You know what Adam did. You know what Eve did. And Eve saw this fruit that was forbidden, and it was delightful to her eye. It was appealing. It was attractive to her. And then she goes over there, and then this old uh, Lucifer, who is cast down to earth, comes and says, Hey, that does look good, doesn't it? You know, you ought to eat it. <laughs> and what does she do? She takes it from him. She's, and he says, if you, can, if you just eat it, you'll be like God. You'll be just like God if you would eat it. Knowing good and evil, you would be just like God. And so she takes a bite of this fruit, and then she turns around to her husband, Adam, and he takes a bite of this fruit. And thus the whole the whole of humanity is thrusted into depravity, into sinful. And Lord, and every person born after Adam and Eve are born into sin. And they're born with a sinful nature. And so as we go in tonight, as we look at this, I want you to see there are consequences to our sin. There were many consequences to our sin. But listen, we're going to examine that. So I want you to look in chapter 3 of Genesis. And we're going to start in verse 8. So we're going to pick up. There are consequences to the sin that Adam and Eve had done by, by crossing that boundary that God had laid forth before them. All they had to do was walk in obedience, and everything would have been fine. But they ate the forbidden fruit. The sin ends, enters all of humanity. Look with me together. Genesis 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife. Now this is what happened. They were hiding from God. Once their eyes were open. They hid. They realized they were naked, and they hid. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid themselves from the Lord, God, among the trees of the garden. Can you imagine yourself hiding from God? Many people think they can hide from God, including Adam and Eve. I wonder where we all got it from right here right so right here and they hid themselves from the lord god among the trees of the garden so the lord god called out to the man and said to him where are you (laughs) where are you as if he didn't know and he said i and this is what adam said and he said i heard you in the garden and i was afraid because i was naked so i hid and then he asked who told you that you were naked did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Verse 12, then the man replied, The woman you gave me and you, that you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Here's the man, lacking in his responsibility, passing the buck, blaming it on his wife. Fellas, did you do that? Do you blame things on your wife that you shouldn't blame on your wife? Shame on you. I hope you don't do that anyway And it says so so he's blaming on her. He said what is this you have done? And the woman said it was the serpent. Oh, guess what ladies (laughs) You guys play the blame game too and you blamed it on the serpent, right? And it was the serpent. He deceived me and I ate and then the lord god said to the serpent Because you have done this He said you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. And this is the verse I want to key in on right here. This is where the beginnings are, where the cross comes into play. Verse 15 says, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel." Verse 15 is called the Proto-Evangelium. That's a huge word. Uh, word. Don't ask me how to spell it. I mean, I can read it off my paper and tell you how to spell it. Proto-Evangelium, which is the first good news in the Bible. This is the first good news. The first mention of the good news. What is the good news, church? It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of who? Of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here is the first mention way back in the very beginning. Listen of jesus right here it is the first foretelling of the gospel of jesus christ god announces that a male descendant when he said he when he said he will strike your head he said he jesus would someday deal the serpent satan a fatal blow a fatal blow it says jesus christ who went listen to this cross fulfilled this prophecy we recognize this evening 2,000 years after the fact that it happened what an amazing event in fact in the book of hebrews it says this in hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 it says now since the children have flesh and blood in common jesus also shared in these so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death and that is the devil the devil and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. And we have people going around all the time. They're fearing death. This is why they're buying supplies after supplies after supplies. They're buying up all kinds of stuff. They're afraid. They're afraid of the virus. They're afraid of dying. They're afraid of dying because they do not know what destiny, their destination is. They don't know what lies beyond uh, this life right here. And so, listen, this is... This is why we have Good Friday. This is why we have Resurrection Sunday. This is why we have the Word of God. This is why we share Jesus Christ. We share Him, listen, in our conversation. This is why we share Jesus in our conduct. This is why we share Jesus in our character. Every single time, Jesus wants you to make Him famous to the world. Not that He needs to be made famous. He already is famous. He is the living Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah God. And He came to this earth and walked 2,000 years ago... That's a fact you don't have to you don't have to guess that you don't have to hope so he did that very thing And he gives us enough evidence to show us that he was absolutely here And the greatest evidence that any one of us guys believers amen is to know that he would save us and transform our life Redecorating us from the inside out What a wonderful savior that we have listen to this in first john 3 8 listen the one who commits sin is the devil For the devil has sinned from the very beginning. Just where we read in Genesis chapter 3, this is where it all starts. Actually, for the devil, it started in heaven when he was Lucifer. And he puffed himself up, and God cast him and a third of all the angels to the earth. And he is the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians, what it calls him. The prince of the power. Think about that. He goes around the world, roaming like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I'm afraid he's devoured a lot of people because of ignorance and because they don't listen to the gospel message. And we're going to talk some more about that. But he says in the beginning, he says the Son of God was revealed for this purpose. This is what the purpose of the Son of God was revealed, to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the devil's works. So the cross of Christ wasn't just for saving us from our sin but also to destroy the works of the devil. Dealing that final blow for all eternity. Listen, it's irreversible. It's because it happened 2,000 years ago. It's irreversible. In fact, one of Jesus' last words on the cross was what, folks? It is finished. And it is finished for sure. It very much is done. Boom, it's over, right? Jesus sealed the deal. Each of us continue. Listen, and each of us, this is what I love, each of us continue to deliver that blow as we walk in, in sync with Jesus Christ in our daily lives. Romans chapter 16 kind of speaks of that a little bit. In, in Romans 16, verse 19 through 20, look, it says, The report Uh, Paul is talking about his audience in Rome, and he's talking about their obedience, and he's grateful for the obedience in the Lord. He says in verse 19, the report of your obedience has reached everyone. He says, therefore, I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good, yet innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Now, I want you to think about it. As believers, I used to hear people talk about, hey, devil, just get under my foot. Listen, there's something to that. And I think that here we are. We're representations. We're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. The living Lord Jesus Christ lives inside of us. We have authority because God has given us his authority through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can listen, and we can step in that old, old, ugly devil's head only by the power of the Spirit of God not by me as a human, but by the Spirit of God within me, and crush his head, and continue to crush his head. We are to be vigilant to many false teachers in the world. The devil uses false teachers every single day. God works through the church, you and I, in Christ, to continue to crush and crush that devil's head. So put him under your feet, people of God. Amen? Put him under your feet. Now let's look at the crosses I'm talking about here. Go to Matthew 27. Turn to Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to go uh, to the very night where Jesus goes to Calvary. Matthew 27, starting in verse 32. Listen to the word of God. As they were going out, they found a Cyrenian. Now, Jesus is carrying his cross. He is beat, unrecognizably so. And if we were beat the way he was, I, I don't. there's no way I could probably carry a cross, much less carry my own self. It's amazing what Jesus was able to do after his scourging. And listen, and he was so weak that somebody had to help him out. So there was a man, a Cyrene, on his way to Golgotha, was named Simon. They forced this man to carry Jesus' cross, his cross. It says, when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the skull place, they gave him wine mixed with gall to drink. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. After crucifying him, it says they divided his clothes by casting lots. And then they sat down and, were, guarded and guard, were guarding him there. And above his head, they put up the charge against him in writing. And this is the charge. What it said, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And I can't help but go to the book of Acts and hear Peter and them preaching. And they always brought up this phrase to the Jews who were rejecting Jesus. They always brought it up so that they would remember who Jesus was, who who this Messiah was that you crucified. And it's really amazing. And then verse 38 says, Then two criminals, listen, were crucified with him, one on the right hand and one on the left hand. Three crosses, one Lord, two criminals. And we're going to talk about that. Jesus crucified, he was crucified between two criminals, is a fulfilled prophecy out of the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53 and 12, where Jesus was hanging, numbered among his transgressors. Criminals on either side was meant, listen, these criminals close to Jesus meant on either side, this mention here, well listen, it was meant to be mocking Jesus, it was a parody of his kingship. The Jews, the leadership, they said, "Okay, he's the king of the Jews." And Pilate and all of them, listen, we're going to give him, we're going to give him some uh, some assistance, some attendants on either side of him. So it was a mockery. They were mocking him it was, he was hung up with two criminals next to him. But here's the thing, I want you to get this. By God's design, the whole entire event was Jesus' royal enthronement. And never forget that. The steps that he took on this cross begins to be his royal enthronement. And the diadem that he wore on his head was the crown of thorns that was placed over his brow. Now let's look at Luke 23. Let's go to Luke 23. Look look at the other story of the cross. And we'll start in verse 32 where he was crucified between the two criminals Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with Jesus. And when they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one, again, on his right and one on the left. And then Jesus said this from the cross, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And truly, they did not know. Jesus wasn't just saying this. You know, I remember Stephen in Acts saying the same thing. Father, forgive them, for they don't what they do, they do out of ignorance, or they just do out of rebellion uh, completely. And so they do this. He says, Father, forgive. So he's even forgiven them who's driving the nails in his hands and his feet. He's forgiven. And said, and also the ones that are sit there, and he says, And they divided his clothes and cast lots. In verse 35, it says, The people stood watching, and even the leaders kept scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Listen, if you read, and I challenge our folks at noon today to read Psalms 22 tonight. Take time out after this service and read Psalms 22. You want to you see, you want to hear in your spirit what Jesus, I believe, was thinking and saying in his mind while he was hanging on that cross. You read that and let it bless your heart tonight. Let it give you the depth of his love for you and reach out to you. And you'll see these very same prophecies. Psalms 22 was written when crucifixion wasn't even thought about. It wasn't even thought about. They didn't do crucifixion back then, hundreds of years prior. They weren't even thought about. And here we see a picture of that through Psalm 22 and right here in Luke. And so when you see that, it says, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then that inscription once again above him, this is the king of the Jews. Now I want you to notice in these passages of scripture we just read, there were four groups of people or scoffers in these scriptures, and I want you to take note of them, okay? Take note of them. Number one, there was the people in general, the crowd, the whole crowd in general. Most of them were scoffers, most of them were not believers, of course, his mom was there, John was there, some of them. But listen, most of the people there, most every, probably 99% of the people there were scoffers in general. You also had the Jewish leaders were there. They didn't believe in Jesus. They were scoffing him. They were doing it. And then you had the Roman soldiers, right, who were kicking and beating him. Remember, they were beating him before he even got there. Brutal, brutal, brutal. They weren't believers in Jesus, not at all. And then you got the one criminal hanging next to Jesus. You got the one criminal that's hanging there, right? And he's not even a believer. He's mocking him. And he he, he doesn't like Jesus. He doesn't know anything about him. And so we need to look at this. So these people, to include this one criminal, ridiculed and insulted Jesus. At that very moment. There was no repentant spirit. There was no humility. There was no remorse. Listen, there's no confession of sin. And they were all lost. And this one criminal is on his deathbed. Think about this. Insulting the only hope for his eternal destination. The only one who could, listen, the only one that could save him. He's on his deathbed in agony. And the only one he could save, that could save him, he denied. And I believe many of us in the world today are that way. You ever talk to people, no matter what you see, you talk to them till you're blue in the face. And you talk to them and you talk to them, and they don't want to hear nothing about Jesus. They don't want to hear nothing about eternal life. They don't even want to talk about death. And there's been many times as a pastor, I've stood up here, and I've had caskets out here where people have committed suicide, you know, and then we got young people filling up an auditorium that have no hope in this world because they don't believe or want to believe in Jesus. And their scales and their hearts are so hard that, that it's like nothing can ever penetrate. And there's going to be many people that way. The Bible tells us that. It says the, the road to destruction is a wide, broad road. It's a, it's a super highway. It's, it's multiple lanes going to destruction and that breaks my heart and that should break all of our heart but the road that leads to life is a narrow road And, and and the bible says there's only few that find it and that breaks my heart it breaks the heart of god because so many people will not believe and will not put their trust in jesus listen this is the way the blind world is it's just that way they do not even want to see jesus So let's talk about the criminal on this side. Look at Luke 23, starting in verse 40. It says, but the other answered, rebuking him. (laughs) He was rebuking his other buddy on the other side of Jesus, right? Can you get the picture? He says, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? See, it don't make sense to him. He's like, man, don't you you have a clue here? (laughs) It don't make sense. How How can it not make sense to you? right? And he says, he said, but this man has done nothing wrong. He said, look, we are punished justly in 41 because we're getting back what we deserve for the things that we did. But this man, this man in the middle, the man in the middle has done nothing wrong. And then he said, he turned to Jesus. And I love this. I love this. He said, Jesus, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom what sweet words, what humility. Listen, the only one out of the entire crowd of people who could see the innocence of a Savior is the man that was on the cross on this side. Think about it. Notice how the criminal on the other side of the cross sees his own sin. He says, this man has done nothing wrong. He also sees that Jesus is the Messiah and asked to take part in his coming kingdom. And then Jesus assures him that after death, he would immediately be reunited with him in paradise, eternal life, where believers will, listen, eat from the tree of life, the new Jerusalem. In Luke 23, 43, verse 40, he says, and he said to him, listen, he goes, Jesus said this, I assure you, today... You will be with me in paradise. How beautiful that is. Jesus invites each of us to be with him here on earth and in heaven. Folks, it starts right here. It starts right here, and it starts right now in this place. Amen? It does. Listen, the first soul redeemed was a criminal. Let that sink in a little bit. The first soul redeemed, the first one redeemed was a common criminal who was hanging with Jesus. Listen, the only hope that that can save us all is Jesus. And so I want to ask you, I want to offer you, what about you today? What about you tonight? Listen, right here, right now, right where you are sitting, in your living room, in your office, in your car, wherever you might be, listen, right here, do you know, are you like this criminal over here who sees the error of his ways, who asks God to forgive him, who asks God if he could be in paradise with him? Is that you? Have you ever done that? Have you ever truly, can you think of a time in your past when you humbled yourself like this thief on the cross did and, and say, Jesus, I'm here, I'm here justly because I'm a criminal. Lord, will you forgive me? Will you come into my heart when you take me to your kingdom with you? And Jesus tells him, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. That's the loving kind of father we have. Listen, I want to encourage you. If you've never trusted Jesus, ask Jesus, the only hope for your eternal life, to come into your heart, to come into your heart and to save you. He desires paradise for you. He desires that for It was made for you. It was made just for you. Receive his free gift of salvation. Receive it. Receive his life-giving, forgiving. Listen, blood right now. Do it right now while you can. He died for you. His blood to cover a multitude of sins. He did that just for you. Ask him into your heart right now where you sit for your own soul tonight. Do it tonight. What a great night to ask Jesus to save you on Good Friday. You will never forget it, I promise. And listen, and this is a night, this is a Passover night. This is the night where Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sinner world, this shuts the door on the Passover from Egypt. And listen, and this opens a door for the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Let Jesus touch your life right now. For your own soul tonight, don't put it off. There may not be another opportunity for you to be saved. And that's why I want to encourage you in that. Look at Matthew 27. Look at verse 45. He said, from, and, and, and we're going to pick up with the story, what happens. From noon until 3 in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. And it said about 3 in the afternoon, Jesus cried out, With a loud voice. He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Read Psalm 22 tonight. That's how it starts right there. So you can pick up of what Jesus felt this night 2,000 years ago. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah, the prophet. In 48, he says, immediately one of them ran to get a sponge, filled it with sour wine, fixed it on a reed, and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And then Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And suddenly it says, the curtain in the sanctuary, in the temple, was split in two from top to bottom. It doesn't say from bottom to top where man could get to it. It's where man could not get to it, 30 feet up in the air in the center, and that curtain was four, is the width of my hand. That's how thick it was. It would have taken teams of oxen to rip it apart, and it ripped into 30 feet from top to bottom and just exposed the Holy of Holies in the temple. There is no more wall separation between man and Jesus, man and God. He opened the doorway for all of us to be His temple inside of our hearts. Never forget that. And listen, what it says here, and it says not only did that happen, it said this angel, boat was split from top to bottom. But there was a great earthquake, and the rocks were split. 52, it says, The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection. They entered the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many. And when the centurion, the Roman soldiers, right there at the cross, and those who were with him who were guarding Jesus, they saw the earthquake and the things that had happened. They were terrified and said, Listen, this man really was God's son. How amazing, how amazing is that? I want you to go to Luke 23. Let's pick it up there with the story in verse 44. It was now about noon and darkness. Notice the darkness comes over the whole land at noon. Has anybody ever seen darkness at noon? One time I did, and that's when we had an eclipse a few years ago. And it was dark around noon. It was amazing to see how dark it got. But listen. God, this is no surprise with God. God can do whatever he wants to do, except for sin, right? So he's looking here, it, So it's dark. And because the sun's light failed, it says the curtain in the sanctuary once again was split down the middle. And Jesus called out with a loud voice. He said, Father, into your hands I entrust or commit my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last breath. And look again, when the centurion saw what happened, he began to glorify God, saying, this man really was righteous. All the crowds that had gathered for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they went home, striking their chest. But all who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. What an amazing story. Turn over to John 19, if you will. Look at verse 28 through 37. Let's look what John writes. It says, after this in verse 28, when Jesus knew that everything was now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on his up and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. It is finished. And then bowing his head, it says he gave up his spirit. And then Jesus' side also was pierced. In verse 31, since it was the preparation day, the Jews did not want the bodies to remain on the cross. On the Sabbath. And for that Sabbath was a special day. And they requested that Pilate have the men's legs broken. That's what they would do so that they would not fall into the Sabbath day. They would kill the ones that were alive by breaking their legs because they could not push up on it. And they would suffocate. And they would die very quickly because they couldn't catch their breath. So they would die probably instantly because they could not breathe. And so here they are, they go, and it says they were the pot to do, they have the men's legs broken, that their bodies be taken away. So verse 32, the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man, the criminal, and the other on the other side who had been crucified with him. And when they came to Jesus, when they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs since they saw that he was already gone. He was already dead. That's another fulfillment of prophecy, folks. That's another. You look in Psalm 22 tonight, you'll see it there. Written hundreds of years before it happened. How would David know that? How would he know that? He wouldn't. There's no way. It says, listen, he and it says here and it says but one of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear and at once blood and water came out he who saw this has testified so that you also may believe his testimony is true and he knows he is telling the truth for these things happen so that the scriptures would be fulfilled not one of his bones will be broken also another scripture says they will look at the one that they pierced mm. What an amazing story. What an amazing epic story. And it's not just a story. This is the truth. This happened. And so I have to ask you this question tonight. And it's a very pointed question. My question for you is, what cross, what cross do you belong on? Which cross do you belong on, this one? Or do you belong on this one? This one or this one? Which cross do you belong on tonight? I just want to ask you, listen, are you on the cross with the unrepentant criminal who along with the world will always die without hope of everlasting life? Will you? Or maybe you are on the repentant criminal cross, the one who repented of his sin, the one who asked Jesus if he could go to paradise with him into his kingdom, who sees his own sins. Do you see your own sin like this criminal over here did? Who sees that without Jesus, he would have no hope of everlasting life with the Father. We see Jesus. Where is Jesus at? He's firmly planted right in the middle. He is right in the middle between both of them. Listen, folks. Allow him. Listen. Submit to him. Receive his free gift of salvation. Even now. Because I want to tell you something about this. You have to come to the cross. You are not going to see a resurrection unless you come to this cruel cross. The resurrection happens because the cross happened. If this cross had not happened, if our Savior had not died on the cross, he would not have risen from the grave on the third day because he wouldn't have been there. The cross is everything. The cross is everything. Never forget that. The two go together. To obtain resurrection, we all must come to this cross. Have you come to his cross? The two go together, and they can never be separated. And it's up to you tonight. Let me ask you a question. Which cross do you bear? Are you bearing this cross over here as a criminal without hope in the world? Or are you on this cross on here? And you realize your sinful nature, and you realize your sin, and you know the penalty of your sin is eternal death. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart tonight. Ask him, this is is why he did this. This is why he went to this cross. This is why he went there to shed his blood, because he was without sin. He who knew no sin, Jesus knew, never knew any sin. And he who knew no sin, listen, became sin. He took all of your sin, all of my sin, on his body 2,000 years ago that you would be made righteous in him because of what he did. Listen, folks, you cannot, you cannot fix the wrong that you've committed in your life. It's impossible. You have to have, there's something. There has to be a sacrifice. There has to be something that's pure that can come into your life and to wash away your sin. You cannot remove your sin. There's no way you can be unstained. But what Jesus does with his blood, he covers you with his perfect blood. And then from that moment on, when God looks down at you, you know what he sees? He sees the perfect blood of the lamb covering you. And he takes all your sin and he throws it as far as the east is from the west. You know how far that is? That's infinity and beyond. The further east you go, the further you go, you never stop going east. The further west you go, you never stop going west. It's forever. It's forever. You are signed, sealed, and now you're waiting to be delivered to be in front of him. Like Brother Tim Balin. I think about Brother Tim Balin who passed. I think about Sister Isaiah. Tim is rejoicing. (laughs) with the saints and angels, and we have no idea except for what we understand from what thus saith the Lord. And I've read this, and I'll tell you what. He's rejoicing. He left this world. He went to bed. He went to night. He was a little cold. Isaiah, being the loving wife that she is, covered him with an extra blanket, Gave him something to drink because his back was achy. He said he felt very weak. And he went to sleep. And sometime during the night, he was ushered into the arms of Jesus. And you know why? It's not because Tim Balin went to church. And it's not because Tim Balin read his Bible. And it's not because Tim... Balaam was a good person, a generous person. He was all those things. He did all those things. And he would be the first one to tell you he's not in heaven because of anything that he has done. That he's in heaven because the Lord Jesus Christ laid his life down on a cruel cross and shed his blood for him and washed away his every sin. That's all you need, brothers and sisters. Ask Jesus to come into your heart tonight quit putting it off and he will come as sure as I'm standing here and as sure as Tim Balan is in heaven rejoicing with the saints and the angels I ask you ask Jesus to come in your heart tonight do it you may not have another opportunity tonight to do that let's go to the Lord in prayer What a wonderful Savior we have, the cross. You have to go to the cross to experience resurrection. You can't bypass it. It doesn't work that way. Jesus said, I am what? The way. There it is, folks. He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. He said, I'm the life. And Jesus said this. I didn't say this. I say this because Jesus said it. He says no man, no person on planet Earth goes to be with God except they come through Jesus who was on this cross. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you for this time, this Good Friday. And Lord, it's a good, good Friday. And Lord, we thank you for what you've done. Lord, it's my prayer. Lord, it's my earnest prayer my burden Lord that every soul in our fellowship know you Jesus personally as Savior and Lord it's my burden of prayer that everybody in our community in our state, in our country, in the world would know you Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life and Lord you made it so simple that even a three year old child can understand what it means to receive Christ as Savior all we have to do is take the faith Lord and 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 coupled with the Spirit Squeezing your heart to know that the truth is that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for your every sin you've ever committed in the past, present, and every sin you will commit in the future. And he did that for you and for me. And we just have to receive that by the faith that we have, that we know it as God squeezes your heart. Say, Jesus, save me tonight. I want to receive you as my Savior. And if you do that, if you ask him to do that, earnestly as you know how, humbly as you know how, then listen, then repent. And the word repent means to change your mind, to change your direction for your life. Stop going the direction of living wrong and turn to live right, chasing after Jesus with all your heart. Because here's the thing, Jesus wants to use you. And he wants to use a person who's walking in obedience to the Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we find folks that repent of their sin and turn away from their sin and self and turn to someone, Jesus, and chase him with their whole heart. I thank you, Jesus. And if you receive Christ as your Savior, I praise Jesus tonight, Lord. I thank you for those that may have prayed to receive Jesus as Savior tonight. And Lord, it's my prayer that they would, that they would uh, seal the deal, Lord, and tell somebody about it. And not be ashamed of it. But tell somebody what they did. Call the church. Leave a message on the phone. It's the Hills Campus Cornerstone. And here in Beverly Hills, Florida, call the church and say, Hey, Brother Phil, Brother Phil, I pray to receive Christ as Savior. Because, listen, we want to rejoice with you. And I would love to send you something that would help you on your voyage, on your journey with Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done tonight. I thank you for what you're going to do. Christian brothers and sisters, enjoy tonight. Be thinking about the cross of Christ tonight and think how he died for you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you from the depths of our heart for everything that you've done. Use us, God, for your glory. We anticipate Sunday morning as we face the resurrection day. And Father, we give you praise and honor and glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' holy name. And all God's children said, "What? Amen, Amen." Thank you all for joining us tonight. And listen, Sunday morning, join us at ten thirty sharp, and we'll uh, we'll be right online here for you. And listen, I just want to thank you. I pray that if you ask Christ to be your savior, just let us know. Man, give us a shout out. Put a little thing on the hey. Listen, I received Christ as my savior. Put it on the uh, on the uh, on the uh, drop down menu there for the uh, live feed, and uh, we'll get that. And uh, let us know who you are so we can rejoice with you, okay? God bless you. Have a good night. Pray, 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 okay? Pray for Isaiah, pray for Wendy, uh, Phyllis Martin's sister, pray. we got so many people to pray for. Just pray, amen. Love you. See you later.